Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Star Wars All In. I just need to give a little programming note before we get started. Um, there was some issues with our mics in this episode. Um, I've done my best to try and clean it up for you. I think it's all listenable, but you will notice that uh, I, Mac, will be a little bit louder in this episode and Ross will be quite a bit fainter and... Uh, I do apologize for that. Not much we can do about it, but I think we still had a really great conversation. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll get started right after this. out there it's time for another episode of star wars all in the show that goes all in on all the details of that galaxy far far away and tonight we're gonna be looking at some interesting topics with my fellow fashion desk reporter ross <laughs> oh boy words i never thought would be used to describe me uh mac we have a lot of fun things to talk about we tonight. do we're coming off a hot may 4th um we have a couple of fun, kind of loose topics tonight. We've got the evolution of Ray's wardrobe, mm -hmm. Ray's outfit changes throughout the sequel trilogy. We're going to be talking about them and just sharing some of our personal thoughts and opinions. Yep. And then we're going to take a quick detour and talk about uh, the pit droids. So mm -hmm. we go from the elegance of clothing to the most simple droid maybe in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, come on. The mouse droid. Well, okay. No, I don't mean that. I, I, I mean is, okay, the sim most simple android of uh, Star okay. Wars. Fair enough. There, that, that's uh, more what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pit droids, tons of fun. Yes, tons yes. Tons of fun. Press the nose. And then finally, <laughs> we're going to talk about a, a little bit of a scene. You know, we've done this a few times before. The Yavin metal ceremony at the end of episode four on new hope yeah the throne room celebration yeah. of them coming back from the battle of yavin so we're going to talk about that in some detail as well and uh you know it's one of my favorite parts of star wars so i'm excited i'm looking forward to it all right well we got some great nice fun topics coming right at you right after this And welcome to our first topic. Russ, what are we going to talk about? Mac, tonight we are going to talk about a, um, well, you remember that episode we did about capes? Yeah. A while back? Well, I had so much fun that I wanted to do another topic about wardrobe. Um, the, the clothing design, um, you know, the way characters are both dressed and formed, uh, sometimes uh, in luxurious, beautiful ways, sometimes in misshapen and ugly ways. That's what makes <laughs> Star Wars so great. And one of the things I always find really interesting uh, is sort of the evolution of uh, the kind of different outfits that our heroes go through mm -hmm. uh, throughout their adventures. So like when you look at Luke Skywalker in New Hope, he has four different outfits in that film. Or as you, know, you as a collector would know, these would call variants. <laughs> I think that is honestly a lot of this. Like, 
for example, my favorite Luke uh, kind of outfit has always been the Yavin ceremony, you know, the, the metal ceremony. Oh, the disco jacket? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's kind of funny because for so long it was just that, you know, five minutes at the end of one film where you saw that. Right. And now that's the outfit he kind of canonically wears in the Marvel comic series for a couple of years. Yeah, pretty much his adventures until they like establish Echo Base. That's it, what he's running yeah, around with. So it's kind of cool to see that. And we have a black series of it now, too. So but anyway, I just love the fact that like you have these different toys, these different yeah. figures. You, you've got, you know, your, your Tatooine Luke and then your Stormtrooper disguise. And then maybe you're even in the dirty, wet Stormtrooper disguise. And then maybe you're in the wet hair Luke back in the Tatooine robes or it, it's, you know, you've got options you've got pilot Luke you've got metal ceremony Luke and that's all just from one film you get this just sort of weird back door into learning about fashion just by going like all the variant toys and all the variant figures and all that kind of stuff and what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the kind of star of the sequel trilogy you're going to talk yeah. about Ray right yeah exactly what we're going to do um this is a topic I had wanted to do since her big costume change at the end of The Force Awakens. Oh, sure. But I wanted to wait until we saw kind of, you know, uh, as Rey as kind of this new era of Star Wars, I got the feeling that we were going to see some really awesome costumes, you know, throughout her lineup. Uh, and we get a couple, so we're going to talk about them right now, okay? We're going to go through film Chron by film. Chronologically? Okay. And we're going to, yeah, I think that's the easiest way. We'll start at The Force Awakens. Mac and I have some pictures in front of us, and we're going to kind of discuss through these as we go, okay? So, Mac, you ready to get going? Feel good about that idea? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, awesome. so we start on Jakku, right? We start on Jakku. The first time we meet Rey, uh, now, you see like this helmet and these stormtrooper yeah, goggles. Yeah, and... that's true. It's it's uh, one thing that we don't see too often again after our first meeting. But you know that kind of <laughs> that first meeting we see Ray in the Star Destroyer and um, she's kind of you know climbing around and then doing some jumping, some sliding, some some general action adventure motions, and mm -hmm. uh, it's it's really cool because we've got this outfit that's. Kind of unique, definitely uh, reminiscent of Jedi designs and Tatooine designs. What, what we thought of as Tatooine designs that eventually found out were Jedi designs. Well, just that kind know? of like tunic wrap they seem to show rural cultures in the galaxy wear. Yeah, yeah, a very simplified design. Now, the thing about this is it's made up of pretty much one specific kind of like shade of tan that makes up the majority of the outfit. The only other different colors, she's got kind of like an undershirt that's sort of a lighter shade. And mm -hmm. then she's got some dark brown, you know, colors in the belt and in the, uh, um, you know, strap of her, uh, of her, uh, what the heck you call the thing? Not as, I keep Quarter staff. Stick, yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of anything. Yeah, her staff. Stick. You're good. <laughs> so, uh, basically, you know, it's very straightforward. Some dark, you know, brownish black boots to go with it. Um, this mm -hmm. is the one that I think probably if you say Ray, this is probably the outfit people picture first, I would think, just because of how heavy, heavy that Force Awakens marketing was. Do you think that's true? Well, yeah. And she wears it for the majority of the film, too. So it's 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 the it's yeah. the costume we spend the most of our time learning about Ray through from the time we meet her until the very, very end. She is in this outfit. She's yeah. only not in this outfit for basically the epilogue of the film. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is about it is this is harkening back to, like you said, Tatooine and, and kind of Farmer Luke kind of clothes in the yeah. sense of we're all back to, to be honest, 70s era earth tones. These are all these warm browns yeah. and light beiges. Mm -hmm. um, 
one of the things that always struck me about her costume was that just, I don't know. I always found it weird is as an art kid who has to draw people all the time. Yeah. Um, one of the things I got really used to was uh, learning a lot more about fashion than I ever particularly planned to sign up for. And part of that is just because when you dress characters, you need to start knowing what the terms are and what the kinds are and what, what people wear. And I just remember thinking that um, one of the weird things about this character is she's basically got like an open shoulder to her costume. And she's also wearing capris with like basically Doc Martin height, height boots. And I'm like, <laughs> I thought I was the only person on earth who would ever dress a character like that who snuck in my head and started yeah. stealing ideas. Because it's, it's a strange mix but I, I, I obviously adore it. I think it's so cool that she's she's kind of running around. She's got like basically capris and maybe a like I don't know. I guess there's probably strings under there. But basically like a cut off um, shirt, and then she's got this extra wrap that goes over it that not only makes like the cross wrap, which reminds us of the tunics and stuff like that, and Jedi robes have a similar cut to them. But these are just wrapped. And then they form basically the front and back skirt of the rest of her costume, which, again, makes her look really interesting when she moves. And that's where we see her at the beginning is jumping between these towers and the Star Destroyer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it gives her this flowing motion Mm -hmm. that is so great as she's doing these acrobatic stunts and things as she's running through the desert. Um, What I love about this is we find a way here to evoke that look and that style of the kind of classic Jedi Knights from the prequels. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, those, you know, you take away that wrapping, that gigantic wrapping. Yeah. And other than the arm wraps, it's a very basic outfit, boots, capris, and a pretty much sleeveless shirt. Yeah. So you could go buy this pretty easily. Yeah. It's, it's the simple stuff in the galaxy, right? So you've got this wrap on here that to us as the audience is kind of this visually appealing cue, but for her in universe, it's just a thing to wrap around her head and her face to keep mm-hmm. her from getting sand in her mouth and from getting sunburn on her head. I mean, that's all it really is. It's a very lightweight, purposeful fabric. And I think the design here specifically, you know, with that in mind, uh, is really, really cool. And I think you also mentioned, like I said, it looks like Jedi. We have another picture in here that's from uh, Starkiller Base when she finally retrieves the lightsaber and holds yeah. it. And she holds it up in the the standard position where one arm's higher than the other, like the side hold of the blade with the blade vertical. Yeah. And she just looks like a Jedi. Like, totally. it, it's an amazing kind of like little little fact of just once you cast her in blue and having her hold a lightsaber, like, oh, these are Jedi robes. Mm-hmm. Whereas you were more on the the kind of farmer kind of aspect of it before. It's just, it's it's a really good look. It feels like a very functional outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think there's a reason it's kind of her signature look. And let's not forget, there is one thing in this outfit uh, that is part of every outfit, and that's the arm wraps. Yes. She's got her arm wraps here, and she will have them uh, in every uh, look she goes with up from here yeah, on. It's kind of weird arm capris. Like yeah. in the sense of, again, she has this kind of naked shoulder and I think that's such an interesting look. So I got to say, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, you would have to think, right, the reason why you wouldn't wrap the whole way up to your shoulder is because you don't want to limit your movements. You want to be able to bring mm-hmm. your arms up and rotate, you know, your shoulders and, you know, move that joint very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas your arm, you might be using that to, say, block a punch or, 
you know, catch yourself if you're falling. You want that sort of protection from those wraps. And I'm sure it also protects her from the sun and the climate as well, right? Yeah, and I think those wraps, we, we have sort of a, a cultural memory of that, of like, um, it just helps sell the idea of desert worlds. I mean, it's not exactly mummy wraps, but it, it's, again, loose clothing, tightly wound around the body yeah. in these draping fashions. Oh, and one last thing we should mention oh, yeah, please. that's also important about this is uh, her extremely signature haircut of the three kind of loops in the back. She yeah, got like the right. tri-ponytail here. And she also has a satchel she carries as well. We should probably point oh. that out because that's part of the outfit for sure. Yeah, it's where she keeps her stuff that's not on her speeder. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. We need to do the speeder as a topic. I <laughs> love that design. Man, uh, anyway, sorry. I just yeah, but that like... satchel's important because <laughs> it gives her both the impression of she has a belt right around her, her middle that is sort of more invocative of where we would kind of think of like a Jedi's cummerbund kind of piece would be or where you'd have your standard belt. But then she's got the diagonally looped one that holds the satchel that's also very reminiscent of like holding blasters, the uh, gunslinger yeah, so like kind Old of. West is what comes to mind for me. Yep. You know, you have the, the belt that's actually like holding up the pants and then you have the the belt with the bullets and the holster and the revolver and all that, you know? Uh, I really, really like that as well. And I like that that belt with the arm wraps transitions into her next outfit as well. In fact, her second outfit that she takes on uh, at the end of The Force Awakens and then is wearing for the first you know half or so of The Last Jedi, which we'll move on to now, uh, uses basically the same outfit. It's mm-hmm. everything except for the wrap. Um, yeah, what the what they statue. did was, um, all right, so secret to be told, I think this is my favorite costume she wears in her saga. Oh, it's mine too. Okay. Oh, wow. Cause I, I can't believe that. Okay. So the way I feel this is that at the end of the movie, you know, Princess Leia is celebrating, or sorry, General Organa is celebrating with her and says, you know, I have a lot of tailors. Let's make this into a real costume. Because... <laughs> Everything, like you said, everything that made her costume the original is here. It's just been somewhat more formally turned into a garment rather than something that's sort of stitched together. So at this point, she's literally wearing capris now. It's not just whatever kind of self-tailored clothes she might have had that might be under those wraps. This is just a nice, uh, you know, slightly side-vented pair of capris. Then she's wearing... um, more of a blouse cut to her actual shirt because it actually has a V cut that goes over her chest. Mm-hmm. The wrap is sort of embodied by the fact she has this sort of jacket vest. Which is my favorite part about it because the vest has this high collar. Yeah, it, it goes up to about her chin. Yeah, it sort of evokes a hood without a hood being there. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to talk about this again later with her Rise of Skywalker costume. But that collar gives it something. And then when you have that sleeveless look still, you know, the bare shoulder with the wrapped arms and the wraps come down farther. Now they come down farther, kind of like below her wrist. Mm -hmm. She still has the double belt strapped on as well. And I love one of the reasons I love this costume is she also has more of, it looks like a hard woven wool kind of, cause it has some structure to it. She has more of gauntlets around her um, arms so you can kind of see that there's a little blade of them that kind of cups over and protects her elbow. And then they they come down and basically go to about the first, or well, I guess the knuckle of her thumb. She just has kind of a sheath over that. 
And when you watch it in the movie, you can kind of see, especially on the back of the arm, these aren't armor, but these are definitely heavier, dutier, thicker clothes. Probably also representative of the fact that, you know, she's not, she's going to a, she's going to space Ireland. She's not going to spend any more time on a desert planet, at least <laughs> for a little bit. And then, oh, I forgot to mention on the, on the uh, vest, she also has these nice, very Star Wars trapezoidal pieces that go over her shoulders. So they kind of form a triangle yeah. in the front and the back. And they're kind of almost ribbed. They kind of have seams through them, which reminds us of like so many different jackets. I mean, like Poe's jacket in the same movie has one of those on one side. They remind us also of like hunting clothes that kind of reinforce shoulders and stuff. It's, it's just a Absolutely, really good yeah. look. It is the uh, it's the same color palette. We're still still pulling from the very kind of drab browns and tans and grays for sure. We, Just going a little more cool where we were very yeah. warm, orangey red earth tones. We've gone more to our gray green earth and tones. We're going to slip here beyond this. And yeah. Even grayer outfit. And, you know, very much on purpose, I'm sure here to make mm -hmm. this shift. You know, the the middle act of a story is where your character is tempted either by turning to the dark side or by love or by whatever it might be right so the middle act is where this stuff happens so you know we're not sure is ray gonna take kylo's hand is she gonna uh you know kind of forget the past and move on to a new future with this other force user and you know we don't know at this point so when we switch over to ray's next outfit mm -hmm. we get an outfit that sort of embodies that now i do also want to call out on um Octu with Ray's sort of second outfit we talked about. She also has that cloak she wears over it when it's raining. Yeah, yeah there's a that. point where but it's just a pretty basic cloak as well. Well, after it's raining, she basically swaps uh, just a few pieces. One, she loses those gauntlets. She still has her arm wraps, but she's these are just little leather pieces around her yes, wrists. Yes, they do and change then up. She has really signifying the change in palette. You really see like this is a darker gray cloak, which will be reminiscent about the costume you're about to get to. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I also mentioned that uh, I noticed is where the side vent is. She's also got reinforced uh, knee pads that I don't know if she had. Uh, no, I guess they did. I guess they were there the whole time. But she's got, again, sort of these are, ribbed yeah. padded pieces over her kneecaps. So, again, another adventure clothing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, yes. Now, after she's sort of, like, put out with uh, Luke's training and feeling it's not going that way, this is the closest we're going to get to Rey garbing up in Jedi robes. Yeah, this is the most Jedi outfit we will see her in um, because of two specific editions. So, well, actually, maybe three, I'll say. So, first yeah. up, the boots. I think she goes to full boots. be overlooked. Having, well, and she doesn't have any open legs. She doesn't have that capri. I no, think is the other side of you it get too. to that calf height boot. Yeah. They're the kind of simple brown leather that were, they look like Jedi boots that they we saw all throughout do. the prequels. Now she also has another under layer. This is the other big thing mm -hmm. kind of draping down in front of her, uh, sort of front of her thighs are sort of two very dark gray, very thick, rough looking fabric mm -hmm. that very much, uh, you know, it, it's almost got like a woven texture yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. Very thick, uh, very noticeable, very coarse. And this looks, I mean, like a prequel Jedi's robe. 100%. Yeah, you're getting the um, the 
so I can't tell if it actually comes from her upper body because of where there are the she has the drapings she had it from her does. original costume it in does. gray. It's it's like a two layered approach essentially. Okay, then it's then it's exactly like a Jedi where you've got basically a surcoat that you wear that extends down to um just above the knee, and that's why you get this sort of like skirt like yeah feel. Skirt, skirt is the best way to describe it. Um, and so she has that going on and then she runs up to, I think I would say is the third element that feels Jedi is she has a belt, but it's extremely thick. It is really referencing again, that middle wrap Mm -hmm. that Jedi have. That's very samurai. Very much so. Very much so. She also has the long gray over wrap now, sort of the top layer of her wrap that's like her costume in the force awakens except now it's a dark gray. So, well, more of a medium gray, I guess. You've got, like, medium gray over dark gray with a dark brown leather belt um, and light arm wraps again, back to light arm wraps like she was in The Force Awakens. And again, those those ri- those uh, leather wrist piece yes. that we saw previously. And again, I'll, I'll, under that, it looks like she's maybe wearing the same shirt she had in her previous costume and also has that V going down to the Definitely chest. Definitely possible. Yeah, I think and safe to assume. The last thing that makes her scream Jedi? Haircut. Yes, we've got a hair change. and um, Well, yeah, let's talk about it here. Yeah, first. she still has that drawn back part to her hair, but now she's certainly got um, kind of like a skirt of it coming off of the crown of her head and forming kind of like pockets of it to the sides, which yeah. reminds us of like Qui-Gon's haircut in a lot of ways. I think that's a great way to put it, yeah. So instead of the multiple buns, She's letting it hang looser. Uh, Gwygon's haircut is definitely a good way to put it, I think. Um, Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. The hair, I don't know if I have a preference one way or another on which one I think kind of looks cooler. Because like we said, we both like that previous outfit more. But I think I might, at least with this look, prefer her hair down. Well, I think the fun thing is this is something you see run through, like, different fandoms and stuff. I like that this has sort of become, like, the signature, like, Star Wars haircut if you've got long hair. is You see, when we were at Celebration, there's tons of girls who weren't in cosplay or anything, but just had their hair in the triple, like, ponytail. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is a cool way to signify your nerddom without having to go all the way to a costume or something like that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I love it. I love that people love it. I know people loves people love Ray's hair, you know, bun style. So I think think it's just because it's, it's very unique. Whereas like we said, almost on purpose, this haircut is meant to invoke the Jedi Knights. No doubt about it. All right. How about the final transition Mac? Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, when we get to the final transition, we pretty much go backwards to our episode seven costume in almost every way, except for like, There are a few small detail changes. It's much cleaner. It's much whiter now. Yes. We've uh, we've hypothetically, before you saw the movie at least, thought Rey has moved past her dark side temptations. She's moved past her past, her family. She's ready to move on. She's this white pure thing now going out into the world uh, after kind of exercising her her demons, her past demons. Yep. Um, That's not what we got in the movie, so I'm not sure what the white outfit's supposed to signify. Well, I think the whole thing about the white outfit is, is I think it's also partially a little bit of color correction, because what I mean by that is there is definitely, um, this is almost exactly the same costume in most angles on purpose. My, my, my primary reason that I think she's wearing this stuff is it is probably 
close enough in most angles to her costume from seven that it will look like she's in seven when she's in the scenes with Carrie Fisher that we all know were scraps Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. episode seven. So I'm going to guess that the production had its kind of hands tied that at the moments when she interacts with like Leia, she has to wear basically the, she has to be in the same costume for it to work for them to match cut a lot of this stuff. Once you do that, then it really doesn't make sense to have like big dynamic costume changes. If you are going to have to go back to the costume, it's better to do what you did in seven and sort of just make that iconic and tweak it a little bit with the primary tweaks to it are the fact that her arm wraps basically fall down to just her or around her forearms. Yeah, her elbow to her wrist. The kind of leather piece she had around her wrist slides up onto sort of form a uh, upper arm bracelet. But only on one arm. That's true. She does only have that on the one, doesn't she? As far as I can tell in the pictures I have. Yeah, as I say. Because on, uh, on the. No, because she still has arm, the wrist piece she had for. It's, or it's something similar. Yeah. yeah, so she has a high wrist. High f- uh, upper arm on her right arm and a lower wrist on her left arm. Yep. And then the other thing is just someone kind of came up and looked at that wrap and then just grabbed the bottom and cinched it down to her as hard as they could. Because <laughs> she essentially has the wrap. But now it's very tightly pressed against the body. It's not loose and draping um, to the point that I would suspect that maybe even in the costume, these were actually stitched in because it doesn't look like it's just hanging over her anymore. It looks like it's almost part of that upper, um, again, what'd you call that shirt? I'm going to go shirt. 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 I'm fine with it. We'll go shirt. I mean, I would really, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you should describe the Rise of Skywalker version of her outfit as the clean version of her first Force Awakens outfit. Yes, because I mean, it's really what it is. Because it's bleached. It it yeah. and like I said, some of that could just be. I think. I mean, just even looking at our pictures, when you're on Pasana, it looks a little more beige, and when we have this like production still, it looks like pure Mister Clean White. It's. I think part of that is the photography. I think that's oh. a a fair look at it for sure and i forgot there's two other pieces to it one she has a shadow of that collar coming up and she has a hood and she has a hood um now we only see the hood once when she's burning uh kylo's tie on octu Mm -hmm. um i like the hood i mean i like the hood i like the collar um the collar is very invocative of that vest she wore earlier which we already know i really liked uh, so I'm a fan. I mean, I think I like this look better than the Force Awakens outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we were kind of ranking them, um, I think it. Well, would, I think it's just a, know, it's like more of a refinement. It literally feels like the um, the team got a chance to go and take a second pass at that same costume design. Like, well, we have to do it, and it can't look all that different. Like, okay, but how could we improve it? Yeah. Well, and and I mean to be fair too. Mm-hmm. Your character is not living on a desert planet in this same outfit for a decade. Right. So you can make it a little bit. Well, again, more different. of a garment. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and she's also back to Capri's. Apparently pants did not suit her. Big fan. So after she survives all her stuff in Last Jedi, she's she starts cutting them back just below the knee. I think you're right. I think you're right. You know, it's, it gives you that extra movement when you're fighting Praetorian guards. No, like I said, I, I think it was a production stuff, and I don't want to beat up the movie for this, but like it is a little sad that just we don't get as much dynamic stuff out of yeah. hers. Um, she kind of got saddled a little bit with like how like Leia really only gets like four costumes during the original trilogy. She's basically got like her white gown, mm-hmm. 
And that's pretty much it. At the throne room scene, we see a refined version of basically the same idea, this drapery. Then she gets like kind of a military uniform in Empire. Mm -hmm. She wears that the whole time. She gets objectified in the slave Leia costume. No, you're you're forgetting her red her red outfit. Oh, there's a Cloud City outfit. Uh, I think that's iconic that's true. enough to No, include. no, that's true. You're right. Yeah. I apparently forgot it, but you're right. Yeah, because then <laughs> she's back in the white jumpsuit again. Right. right after. Well, let's keep going. So that's one, two, three. That's four costume changes. Then slave Leia. Yeah. Then we have her Endor combat suit. Yeah. And then we have the Ewok dress. And the Ewok dress. Okay, yeah. so she gets like seven. Yeah. Um, and Ray gets about four. Yeah. Okay, so it's even worse than Ray. It's yeah. Han Solo got Han Solo. We counting? Oh, uh, no, boy. I'm just saying, like, okay. like it, it's kind of weird that she is such a she is the most important character, and she has nowhere near as many costumes as yeah. um, Luke. So you know what I mean, or or Anakin. Yeah. So is this silly? Should we like? Is this something like? Is this something other people care about? I I hope so. I think honestly, I think just thinking about it, like, like I said, remembering the episode nine production thing of like again, they probably sure. had their hands tied and had to use that costume again, which I'm fine with. I do think that you know the biggest miss I think I see in this is that she doesn't have a unique costume at the very end of the movie for her going off on her own way. I thought there was gonna be. Especially if, when you show that there's been a time jump because she has a new lightsaber. She yeah. had time to find this planet. Like, you know there's been a time jump, so you could have easily done a new outfit. Yeah, something about it must have just, they, they just said, well, this is our iconic look for the character, and we're saying that we're beyond Jedi, so we didn't want to dress her up in a Jedi robe or anything that would invoke that. Like, I could see arguments why you wouldn't, Mm -hmm. but I feel with how little we see her costume at the end of the Force Awakens finale, but how fresh and iconic that, like, stuck in my head after seeing Episode 7, I go, that would have been a nice touch here, too. I agree. I I agree. I I mean, it's never going to be as dramatic as Anakin's final costume change in his saga, but, you know, (laughs) nothing can Uh, be. Nothing can be. You know, speaking of, Anakin had some pretty boring outfits, too. Well, he no, he he had light gray Padawan robes at the end. He had, wait, wait, he had slave slave. You know outfit. what? That is a topic for another time. We should go through that, and we'll end at his major costume change. But he basically just goes like he keeps I don't know like throwing his clothes in with the darks because they just basically get darker. He goes from tans like yeah. Luke to like Brown. in the second movie like brown but like yeah. nice deep mahogany kind of browns yeah. and by the next movie it's just like this guy's gonna become a dark jedi but how he's wearing so much black with slight shades of brown <laughs> um it was oh, it wow, works it right. works it's you're great right. but you're that's right. a I'm gonna get we're started. gonna continue this yeah. series because i do enjoy and i think we have more to say about it than i would normally think i would um i'm but, glad because it's I'm, interesting i'm glad i think before we go though we should do our own personal uh, rankings of these of these different costumes. Okay. Uh, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Well, I would normally count down to my number one, but we already kind of revealed what our number one is. Yeah, so let's just push that to his side. Okay, okay. So the 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 let's call it the Octu costume. I mean, yes, it's yeah. at the end of episode seven, but she wears it primarily on her ver- journey on Octu. Yeah. That's that's my favorite version of it. Same. I think it's. I think it's a nice compromise between like some sort of adventure clothes accenting her original costume, but also feeling uh, 
don't know. It feels like Ray has found a home when she wears that, whereas yeah. the rest of it is just kind of like what she had. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fan of a vest. Star Wars like does vests. a vest. And, you know, so that's why I like. Han had a vest. Ray okay. has a vest. So that's Vests our number one universally. What's your number two? Uh, mm, I'm gonna be honest. I think after that, I'm gonna go to the original. The original from Seven. Oh, okay. Uh, I think very cool. I'm glad we're gonna have some diversity, and we're not gonna yeah. have the same list. Uh, I think this one's tough because there are shots where I really like. The episode nine kind of white callback on the classic. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of really cool still images. And I think in a lot of cool fan art, it looks great. But on screen in the brown of Pisana and the drab gray of Exegol, um, I don't like it as much. So I think I'm going to go with her last Jedi outfit, her, her kind of Jedi outfit, uh, you know, Snoke's throne room fight outfit as my number two. Okay. Okay. Wait, are we counting up or down? You just said you didn't like a lot of that, and then you're like, it's my number two. I'm like, I was counting from one down. Are we, we... Yeah. Okay. Favorite, second favorite. Second favorite. So your second, second favorite. favorite. Okay. Uh, her last Jedi outfit, her second outfit. The episode nine uh, outfit. Episode eight. Episode eight, last Jedi. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not yeah. talking right. Snoke's, Snoke's, Snoke's throne room. The Jedi yeah. costume. Yeah. The one Got with it. her hair down. I'm sorry. I'm losing my hey, place you're here. you're good. It's quarantine, baby. Anything okay. goes. So our both number one is the Octu costume. Yes, 100%. We the, like that. Nailed it. The number two is like what she wears to the supremacy, the throne room battle with. Yeah. Okay. And for you, it is her episode seven costume. Yeah. I think because of the drapery and stuff mm-hmm. of it and the more flowing nature of it. And especially I love that helmet with the stormtrooper goggles. Look good. We didn't talk about it enough. I, it does I look think that I think the thing for me is I just think that, again, when I saw those open shoulders, those open capris, and I'm just like, this is a costume I would have designed. I love this thing. And that will get me number three, which is your number two, which is then I would say I like the the Jedi costume only because it looks very different. While it references her stuff, yeah. it certainly looks like um, the customization she'd order from like the Jedi supplies. If she was growing up in the temple, like if she had the catalog that was, that would be. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, it, it, gotcha. it references her, but it's so strongly. I mean, especially just when you have, Snoke playing the Emperor, and you've got Kylo Ren playing playing Darth Vader, and you've got Rey playing like Luke yeah. in that sort of not remix, but that invocative scene of of these three triads facing yeah. off. It just feels so good to have the the Jedi look to it. One hundred percent. Okay. Uh, well, then my number three is going to be the the Rise of Skywalker outfit for those times where the white really pops and shines against the darker backgrounds. Gotcha. And um, that means that my number four is is the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and I think the biggest reason for it is like, again, I, I have nothing but sympathy of why they had to do it. But it just comes back down to like, it's not different enough. Yeah. And I prefer the version of seven a little bit better. While I like some of like the the breaking up the silhouette with like the, the leather pieces and yeah. stuff, it it just feels like. It just feels like a second draft. Like mm-hmm. those could have been in the same movie and I could have blinked yep. to go, oh, I just didn't notice. It. It's not really supposed to be a costume change. They just fixed the costume halfway through oh, or I think you're totally something like that. Right. I think you're totally right. Um, I think for me, it's, it's basically two things. Um, I like the small kind of uh, wrist arm wraps that she wears with that. Um, 
I think it just kind of that just makes it look along with the white color very clean and um, I don't know something about it makes her look powerful. You, it's like Krennic in his white cape. You can wear a white cape cool. on a on a forest world. And, uh, you know, it, it speaks to your power. But I also think that with Ray specifically, um, that hood does a lot for that outfit, too. See, that's one of the negatives to me. It's just because the hood is almost like scrim. It's so thin because it it's mo- it meant is. to be part of that, that hair. And I just go like, look, if you wear one, God bless you. But the people who wear just the straight hoodie vests without any extra additional outerwear... You're brave human beings. I don't. If you have a hood, you should have sleeves. I like. I get it. I, I think it's funny. I um, think it's funny. You're not wrong. But to your point, I think she does look powerful, if nothing else, because literally her guns are showing. Like we have that arm bracelet on yeah. her right to kind of accentuate how you know strong her upper arm is and her other upper arms exposed. And we haven't had that, which makes her just generally feel stronger. And we don't have any hero characters or Jedi really wearing white. Padme is the closest hero we get wearing white yep. in Star Wars. So, you know, no Jedi wearing white, really. So, nice change up. So, for me, that's why I'll put it above The Force Awakens at four. All right. Well, I think, I, I, th- I wish we had more costumes to talk about. And maybe I as know. media expands and Ray shows up in different places and we hear more of her story, like, maybe we should get a bigger wardrobe, but... I think that maybe sums up her character. She's very practical. She wears relatively practical clothes. Yeah. I mean, really. uh, Oh, I I think we should also throw in here at the end. I don't count her Carhartt coat as a separate outfit that she wears on uh, Kajimi. Oh. You know, they've just kind of got those very basic, like, farm coats on. That's true. Uh, But that's... It's yeah. it's, it's kind of like the parka. It's, it's kind of like the parka we mentioned on yeah. Octu. It's like, yeah, it's an extra. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah. Because uh, I, I would have forgotten about it. But, <laughs> but, uh, but again, it's still, it just augments her costume, just yeah, like the parka sure. does. So, Perfect. So, yeah. So, Great. again. I, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it. I think we'll do more of we'll, these. We'll come back next time and do Watto's costumes. <laughs> okay. All two of them. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to move on to something else. You know, in the late 90s, George Lucas spent a lot of time trying to craft Jar Jar Binks into the perfect comedic character for episode one, The Phantom Menace. And I I think in a lot of ways, you know, he succeeded. We've talked about it in the past. I'm not a fan of the the poop jokes, but beyond that, I'm a a pretty big Jar Jar uh, supporter. Mm -hmm. Um, But who would have thought, you know, going in to see The Phantom Menace, that there would be a a different comedic uh, actor to outshine Jar Jar, a different character to really come into the spotlight and uh, make me laugh, make me smile, make me feel things. And that character was the pit droids. The pit droids. The pit droids. <laughs> the, the appropriately named D-U-M series pit yes, droid. the D-U-M series pit droids, which I would have had no idea. Uh, did you know that before looking it up? Because I, I wouldn't have. Of course you I did. did. I'm a super That's nerd. why we do this together. But that, if it's questions about tech, I'm good. If it's questions about 
not tech. I'm not as good. Um, <laughs> no, so the, the pitch roids are great. We've got mm-hmm. these, uh, and oh, let's go full nerdy while I'm here. These are fifth degree droids, meaning that they're for manual labor. Of course. Of um, course. But the cool thing about their design is they're seemingly fairly lightweight. They definitely compress down and fold up. Um, and they're meant to be carried because their whole job, their purpose is they are purpose built for being pit droids, being droids for pod racing pit crews. And so they're relatively durable. They're fairly, you know, built to be very obvious what they do. They don't have a lot of extra bits or anything like that. They're just these small little humanoids that can use all the human tools to repair stuff. And, uh, they're also, um, apparently cheap because they're easily replaced. Uh Yes, they are. Um, so, our first experience with these droids was in Wado's shop, mm-hmm. episode one, as we were saying. And these are the droids that, uh, after Gwygon tells Jar Jar not to touch anything, well, he touches, he, he touches things. So he, uh, you know, touches a pit droid. It pops up. It starts causing mayhem. Things get uh, knocked over, and Anakin has to save the day for the first time by shouting, "Hit the nose!" Now, I understood what Anakin meant, but when you look at a pit droid, wouldn't you call its eye? It's a good question, Mac, and a question I think a lot of people have shied away from for a long time. I think they're yeah. afraid of the answer. Yeah, uh, no. Do, do pit droids have eyes? Do they have noses? Is their nose where they see? It does These are the important like questions we res- bring. It does look like a visual receptor, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um. It's fine. Uh, Admittedly, know, I think kids would be like, you know, hit the eye, and then they're just going home to their cats and dogs and trying to poke them in the eye. You never know. You don't want to cause any animal cruelty on the behalf of pit droids. No, droids don't care. That's glass. It's fine. The droids were okay with it. So uh, we know that pressing the nose does, in fact, make them collapse again. Yep. We know that for a fact. We know for a fact that these things like to work on pod racers. And we also noticed that every pod racer has them. Yeah. They're littering um, all the crews mm-hmm. at the Moss. Moss Espa. Yeah, yeah, at the Speedway. And you have, what, what's neat is you have ones that are like color-coded, like some of them have different paint jobs and stuff mm-hmm. for different uh, racers. And uh, fairly famously, we also see one get sucked through an engine mm-hmm. and proves they're durable. He survives that, surprisingly enough. <laughs> but has <laughs> a, a hell of a headache, it looks up. like. Yeah, it's okay. Um, the... The pit droids are a very small part of Star Wars, but they make, they're the type of thing that makes the universe fun. Well, I think the interesting thing is they are something that apparently a lot of people love because they pop up in nothing major, but in little bits all over the place. Yep. So we've seen them most recently, of course, in episode five, season one of The Mandalorian. Yes. Uh, That was, I think, a lot of uh, fun for a lot of people. I know it was most certainly... I think my favorite part of that entire episode was being surprised by a couple of pit droids in Tatooine. So that was great. Yeah, because they got to work on them and mm-hmm. these things repair stuff. Eh, ships look at pod racers. We're probably okay. It'll be fine. Uh, we see some uh, some pit droids in animated Star Wars as well. Well, Resistance has them for sure. Yeah, they so, help out in the uh, maintenance bays and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so they pop up from time to time. So pit droids have definitely survived. Uh, you know, the change to the Galactic Empire, back to the New Republic. They survive. They thrive. And Pitroids have one other weird distinction in Star Wars. Of They are part of a initiative that LucasArts started, which was their educational series of video games, which was 
Star Wars Petroids, which was all about basically um, giving commands to the Petroids to make them do different stuff in these different puzzles. And you learned logic and basic coding and stuff like that. And it was a game that was released, uh, I guess it was probably 99. It's probably right with the launch of the movies for PC. But it was also available. I don't think it's available any longer, but it was available on like iPad and stuff when that came out. And uh, just a cool little program to, again, teach uh, teach some basic skills. But it's just weird to think that LucasArts decided to build an entire game around these just little droids that are in one scene of Star Wars. But, I mean, hey, yeah. in the heady days of 99, if it existed in that movie, there was merch of it. Mm-hmm. And there is. There are, uh, you know, three and three quarter scale action figures with the pit droids. Uh, unfortunately, we've never gotten a Black Series pit droid, but... I like to have faith. Now that we have officially gotten our first sort of small standalone package Black Series with the mm-hmm. child from The Mandalorian, if we can have a $10 Black Series skew of the child, give me some Ewoks, give me some pit droids, give me some Minox, give me all the small things that you couldn't justify me spending $20 on before. Let's make it happen. That would be nice. Or maybe they'll just come with when HasLab finally has the Split X, Sebulba, and Anakin Podracer Black Series. You know, uh, I would buy it. You know, I, I, do, I know you would. I do have my uh, six-inch scale snowspeeder on pre-order from Amazon. And to be blunt, if there was ever going to be an episode one HasLab style thing, it would be those. Or an N1. An N would be nice, but they haven't even made an X-Wing, so... I feel like the, the, the skinny plastic of just, uh, you fill out the pods and these just little gondolas yeah. that they pull, it might work out a little yeah. bit better. The TIE fighter's already pushing it in size. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's pretty great. Pitroids are fun. Pitroids are great. I'm really glad we finally got a chance to talk about them. Uh, when they have their day, when, when we finally <laughs> have a, a Pitroid standalone story, uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about them again. Sounds good. All right. Let's move on. I would hum it, the sound of the throne room coming down if I didn't just play it for the audience. So um, here we are. Not the Emperor's throne room, mind you. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. The throne, the throne, and I don't actually, I don't know. It's called the throne room, but I don't see why it would be a throne room. It's a Masasi temple. This is probably just a big empty space where they're going to put a whole bunch of people. Some people stuck behind pillars watching this, this awards ceremony yeah, who has the obstructed view seats at the awards ceremony uh you know what the people who were just kind of going like oh well i'm busy i can't be part of the battle of yavin i got stuff to do well you're showing up for this and since you weren't even part of it <laughs> you don't get to eat the cake just okay so for the record there's like a lot of rebels here this cannot be the contingency that left yavin 4 right this has to be what's left of the rebels who are like maybe evacuating that base like this seems bigger than the people we saw running around before the battle. You know what? It's a really good. Okay. So I have something to say about that. It's okay. really, really interesting here. But before you do, let's just make sure everybody knows what we're talking about. So we're talking oh. about <laughs> the medal ceremony, at the end of star Wars episode four, a new hope. Yep. 
And this is the ceremony where we see at the end, you know, the doors open up. There's this big triumphant music. There's a whole bunch of people who turn at attention to Luke and Han and Chewie as they walk down the aisle and are, uh, you know, sort of secretly smirking to each other as they do so. And they go up to a podium where Leia and 3PO and uh, some other friends of the Rebellion are there. And they're presented with their medals of bravery. Uh, and everybody claps and cheers and the music uh, crescendos and then we cut to the credits. Correct. That's what we're talking about. Okay? So but this room where we're talking here. about this is full of people. Full of people. What is your idea where they came from? Okay, so <laughs> in from a certain point... Now, this is all off the top of my head, so I Go apologize. For it. In from a certain point of view, there's that uh, excerpt where basically pilots are talking about how there are not yep. enough crap we have fighters but we don't have enough starships we don't have enough dog fighters because we lost so many in the battle of scarab that's right because we've got fake wedge complaining about the fact that luke bumped him from the roster that's right so basically there are enough fighters but not enough ships and you have to also remember to run a rebellion you got to have ground crew you got to have maintenance you got to have cooks you got ground have, defense forces you, got, you have all these different things you got that guy in that tower with that radar gun you got all these different people so yeah you might not have a lot of ships but it still requires a lot of support staff again it just it shows us that the, the rebels are ready to be a real threat mm-hmm. you know there's For a bunch sure. of them it is a really good point, though. Do you think is Mothma's really watching point. this like on Zoom or something like that? I think, yeah. Mon Mothma's probably not back here yet because they probably had to evacuate pretty quickly. Because we uh, know from a certain point of view, that's why she's not there. Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> she had to, the designated survivor. She had to survive. She did. She had to carry on that spark of hope. Uh, so we have our ceremony. And yeah, I think that's why, Mac. I think there's lots of support staff. I think the rebellion is a threat, and this room just kind of shows it. And what we have is, so we see our main characters. Han looks like Han. There's not much that's changed about his, except yeah, maybe he got it all laundered. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Luke has a completely different costume. Oh, and it's the best part. We talked a minute ago about this in another one of our yeah. topics. And Luke's outfit here is fantastic. His great yellow jacket, kind mm-hmm. of under the black base. Uh, and the blue pants, and um, you know that that nice big uh, bling in the middle of his chest there that he gets that nice big medal. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I, I love this look. Uh, he's got his blaster, his lightsaber. He, you know, he's ready to roll. He is. And so they start walking down. They're escorted by Chewbacca. Yep. And once they get up to like, they basically walk down in to the main proceeding. They go down this long walk. They're kind of like looking at each other, going like, well, "This is a lot, isn't it?" Like, oh, for us, this is crazy. And then they get up to the front and there's uh, Leia in her only like her only other costume change of this movie where she's basically got kind of the white drapery, but it's it's more refined. She looks way more like a princess in this particular one. She's wearing that different necklace. Now, it's funny that necklace actually has a name in Star Wars. Um, It's given a name in the Leia comic. Oh, Um and for the life of me, I didn't write it down because I thought I would remember it. And now I can't. Well, remember, we, we prepped for, for Ray's clothing, not Leia's. It's fine. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't ready. I thought I would remember. But that is actually the name of that necklace is said in the Leia comic. I'll tell you what. We'll throw it into the appendix at the end of the show. We'll mention okay. what that was called there. And, and she's got her hair kind of piled up higher. You know, we've got kind of more of a, a royal fancy haircut you know like you know like you'd see it like you know a prom or something like that something pretty fancy and she's she's kind of smiling at both these guys and 
here comes General Jandadora behind her and and Leia like looks back and he's like, yes. And then for whatever reason, Jandadora, who apparently just needs to be part of the fireman carry, looks back at his subordinate who actually gives him the box. <laughs> and then he passes it forward and then like Leia is going to just goes up and she starts putting him on on it. And then we get the two medals on Luke and Han. And what I like about these medals is they, they cut a real fun balance between something that's a very nice medal but also something that seems made by a group downtrodden and at war because you've got the nice big gold piece, right? Shiny metal, but then it's attached to something that looks more like military webbing. Like it's not like it's not a nice leather strap or a ceremonial ribbon. It looks like a practical piece of like, like I said, like webbing that they use for like belts and, and harnesses and military stuff, which again, I think really, Cuts to the fact of, like, kind of what the rebellion's all about. Like, we want to restore the Republic, but we ain't the Republic. <laughs> um, and so then they turn around. Yeah. Everyone's clapping. Like, like Luke's all happy because apparently he didn't know until now that R2-D2's okay. And R2-D2 makes some yeah, buzzes. And everyone's the, like, this isn't disruptive. The big reveal of R2 being okay after he got blasted. And they all just turn around, they celebrate, and people start clapping, and then we cut to credits. And yep. the Wookiee gets nothing. Nothing. <laughs> now, it has been established that later on, he does actually get a medal. So don't worry, it has happened. Chewbacca does so, get a medal off screen. So we looked up, the, the name of this medal is basically the, the Rebel Alliance's Medal of Bravery. Yes. Um, which... For the record, absolutely, uh, Han deserves it because he comes back to do this whole mission. Luke, well, I mean, we should give you the same medal. It's the highest honor we've figured out so far. I mean, realistically, any pilot who survived, Wedge should have one of these too. He went against that doomsday yeah, weapon himself. I mean, I, you're not wrong. Wedge, like, I think, like, deserves Luke, a medal. thank you. You saved the rebellion. You destroyed the Death Star. You're absolutely important. But as far as bravery goes, you were just as brave as any of the other psychopaths going on that suicide mission. <laughs> You know, so it's it's fine. It, yeah. It's 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 kind of a kooky scene because, like I said, it's weird that the two guys get a medal, and not only does Chewie not get one, but like I never understood why Chewie walks with them. I guess it's just because to remind you that like he never leaves Han's side because he seems like he should be up there with the droids or something like that. It does feel that way, yeah. Um, but it does lead to the, the maybe the most endearing part with him, which is the fact of when they get and they turn around, they're getting clapped at. Chewie just goes, Ugh. yeah. As Peter Mayhew used to like to always say, at least he got the last line of the film. That's true. You know? <laughs> uh, so, oh, that's, that's good. That's the Chewy legacy. Now, uh, Han and Luke's medals actually end up in other places throughout the canon we've seen. So mm -hmm. we know now Han's medal ends up with uh, Leia at the end of mm -hmm. The Rise of Skywalker here. Um, which is great to get to see it again, of course. Mm -hmm. But then uh, Luke's medal ends up with Maz Kanata, who Han sold it to her, saying that it was his medal. And the only reason she finds out that it's Luke's medal is because a Force user touches it, who is able to tell her the history of the medal oh. and tells her where it has come from. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> I love the idea yeah. that like Han at some point steals Luke's medal or realizes uh -huh. Luke left it on the ship and then nicks it. That's uh -huh. great. Yeah, for drinking, for drinking money at uh, Maz's cantina. Yeah. Well, he's got a huge debt there. We're already very well established with that. Yes. 
very much so. So uh, I'm a big fan. You know, hey, remember when we went to Celebration in 2017? And they gave us those metal, yeah. uh, the metal uh, lanyard. Our badge holders were yeah. basically a, almost a replica of that metal, maybe a little smaller. Yeah, definitely smaller, but uh, luckily probably lighter too. It's uh, true. But uh, that was great. That was like the collector's badge lanyard you could order Celebration 2017. Those were rad. It's pretty cool. Now, one last little just weird fandom note I want to make up. If you've never watched it, go look on YouTube. And uh, one of the mysteries about uh, Star Wars is Star Wars has not got much what we call diegetic music, music that's happening in the scene. We've got the Cantina Band. We've got Jabba's Palace and a few other places where the music is supposed to be heard by the characters. Most of the time, the music is score. It's stuff that we, the audience here, but is not meant to be heard by the actual characters in the movie. So go look up this scene without John Williams' music. Because when you think about this is how it should actually be playing out to the characters' livingness, it's a really quiet, really <laughs> awkward scene, and it's amazing. Oh, that's so Because it's just these slow, somber footsteps till they get to the front. And then there's, like, Luke and Han looking at her, and Leia just goes, <laughs> Just this little tiny micro laugh. And then the chinkling of like the medals as they put them on their hats. Just a little bit of shuffling of the troops and a cough here. And then R2 just explodes with sound over everything. And then it turns back to them. And then they turn around. And then you hear subtle golf clapping. And then Chewie yells over it. It's amazing. Wow. Okay, so I'm gonna we're gonna finish up recording. I'm gonna go watch a new hope. But then at the very end, <laughs> just, I'm just going to cut to that. It's it's really good. So what you're saying is we need a uh, John Williams only version of A New Hope. And then we need a John Williams stripped version of A New Hope. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. Total aside, I'm just going to drop it. But like, I love that idea of hearing the sound to sound wall. It, it's always sad that episode one was the only one that gave us the inversion of that where you could listen to the score. Every piece of music that plays underneath the music the whole way without any other parts of this audio track. I wish I had that for the other Star Wars. What episode eight has that? Does episode eight have episode eight? You could buy the soundtrack that way. No, no, no. Episode eight has a soundtrack only version. Oh, is that what you're talking about? No, no. Uh, episode one they released as uh, it's like I don't know four disc thing. I have it digitally is uh, the ultimate version, which was literally every single piece of music, just audio that you could listen to on an audio player. Oh, You're talking about, I can watch the movie, but just I with the see. soundtrack. You're talking about the music separated from the film. Yeah. I got you. But this so you is definitely... Want, you don't want, like, the studio recorded version of the Imperial March. You want the 32 seconds of it that plays. I want to be able to listen it. to all the music cues as long or as short as they are in the actual... Yeah. I would hear the actual scoring sessions just stitched together. Hey, I, that sounds great. Throw it up there with giving us the despecialized editions and a version. Come on, Disney. We'll throw money at you. Just keep giving us everything. Yeah. We'll keep buying it. Did you buy the uh, Skywalker Blu-ray 4K set, the Skywalker Saga $250 box set? I I really did think about it, but then I realized that I own my Star Wars Blu-rays as ornaments only. I, ne- I don't Same. think I've played them more than once ever. Same. So I basically, I don't, I don't, I don't get, unless it's video games, I don't really care about physical media and I don't care about modern video games and physical media. I'm just talking about like the old stuff. Like I buy Nintendo tape. 
<laughs> as I say, my own joke, Nintendo cartridges, yeah. not Nintendo tapes, Nintendo game packs, yeah. um, and Game Boy games, a few other things like that. But generally, I'm not a person for physical media. Yeah. That's really off topic, though. It so is, yes. the point is, go take a look at the, that, that video. It's really funny. And this scene is, for a good reason, so iconic it is yeah. um, that it echoes forward through the entire series. And there's a reason scene. we see that metal at the end of the saga because it's important if this scene hadn't have worked we would have only had one star wars film that's true right if this movie had ended on a bad note if people weren't with it if people weren't cheering and applauding with this film uh we may never have had more totally and how would we have gotten the best star wars movie attack of the clones if we hadn't I mean, I believe that more than almost anybody else, no, but I don't think it's the best. Well, I anyway. tried to pick the one that is the least polarized. It is definitely, it is definitely, it is definitely the least controversial the worst movie. Camino and Dexter. There's a lot I love about you. I I love it's episode two. I unironically love episode I know you two. Do. All right, with that, uh, <laughs> let's wrap this thing up. So the trumpets are playing, the golf claps have begun. We've come to the end of another episode here on Star Wars All In. And honestly, I think it was a pretty good one. Yeah, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. I think we had a, a really good time with some different, more loose topics than we might normally Yeah, cover. yeah. Well, we wanted to make it a little punchier because uh, if you have not already listened, we had an April. Uh, April. <laughs> what is time now? May the 4th episode with the Mortis yeah. Trilogy, which uh, is uh, it's long. We, it's we talked a, a lot. It's a little bit longer, so we thought we'd keep this one a little short. And You know, a lot's going on in the Star Wars world. Clone Wars just wrapped up. Mm-hmm. We both, I think, loved it, right? Oh, my God. I, I think it's some of the best. Agree. I think it's a, some of the best Star Wars that's been made in a long time. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, I think we're all fans here. Uh, and if, you have a, if you're one of those people who hasn't watched the Clone Wars... Um, you know, hey, let us know. Maybe we can recommend some places to start. We'd be happy to try and help you on that journey now that it's easily accessible. And, uh, hey, sometime yeah. in the future, maybe we'll kind of put out a Star Wars All-In watch-along guide for the most crucial, uh, you know, Clone Wars episodes. Yeah, that would be if fun. If you'd like, a, you know, kind of a Cliff Notes version. Maybe we could collab on that, Mac. We could talk about that because it's pretty yeah. good. And, and Clone Wars is Clone Wars is great. And, and again, we just reviewed fairly in-depthly the Mortis Trilogy, which I think is maybe the best Star Wars in the entire saga for me personally. Yes, yes. Um, And it's pretty great. And we also got some great news on May the 4th that we are expanding the Star Wars universe. We've got another unnamed show that's in production. So now we've got the, you know, Captain Anders show. We've got got the uh, Kenobi show and this new untitled one. So that's and at least three things going. Don't forget season two of Mandalorian. So oh, strong. yes. Uh, so there's a lot to come there. You know, we're not far away now from High Republic stuff coming out. No. Uh, and in fact, next month at the end of June, we have the second book in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one called Alphabet Squadron. Really great novel. This new book called Shadowfall. Uh, really looking forward to it. So it's a good time to be in the Star Wars my, uh, you know, Star Wars downturn that normally happens at the beginning of the year has not happened this year. 
Well, I don't, I don't think it will because I think they're. I think now that we're sort of out from the shadow of Episode Nine, it's kind of like the Star Wars universe is much more broad and open going out from here. But what I really also enjoyed was the fact that um, one of our, our favorite creators out there, Taika Watiti, Taika, Taika, Taika Watiti, Taika. I, I know it in my head, but my head is. I'm just gonna have you say it, All right. uh, okay. And, and to be honest, one of the most exciting things also that happened on May the 4th is we got announcement that the Star Wars movies are still being worked yeah, on because we had a director uh, that so we all like. Taika Waititi is going to be directing and co-writing a Star Wars film for a theatrical release. Now, I'm the honest, honest to God, podcast or not, microphone in front of me or not, I'm the type of person who until at least I'm watching a trailer. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get my hopes up one way or another because I think he's a great director, great filmmaker, great writer. Um, But until it's in front of me, I just find it's best not to get my hopes up. I think the reason my hopes are fairly high on this one is threefold. One is the fact that he's writing it, which tells me he has more skin in the game than just being one of the darling directors of Disney. Two, I trust him with Star Wars because, man, did he clean up in his episodes from Mandalorian. He just did a great job. And he's also... Uh, our IG just one episode just the finale is it just the finale I think so I thought he directed the first episode no no I'm just thinking because he's in the first episode as IG 11 yeah 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 yeah. I think he only directed one but either way that's neither here nor there because he did a great job yeah Uh, and and he's already in Star Wars he's a robot yes that's Um, right and I think the last piece of the puzzle was I'm very excited even if this project goes nowhere it to me builds that bridge of theatrical Star Wars is not going away you know, those projects, because I mean, after episode nine and all the flashback on eight, they're basically like, well, those Game of Thrones guys are out and they're probably not going to give anything to Ryan Johnson and we'll probably never make another Star Wars movie ever again. I'm like, that's would be soul crushing yeah. if we even take like a really long break from theatrical. Mm-hmm. It's it's the it's the heart of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's all exciting. Now, real quick, before we finish up, mm-hmm. we had that one piece. Did you find the name of that oh, necklace from Leia? I did. So, uh. On Wikipedia, it's listed as, you know, Leia's ceremonial necklace. Okay. Uh, but what the word I was looking for was chardonalcy. Let me see if I can. Sh- okay. Let me see if I can uh, pronounce that a little better. Um, char. All right. Let me spell it out. And okay. And you see if you can tell me. All right. It is C-H-A-L-C-E-D-O-N-Y. So, Chalcedony, 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 yeah, Chalcedony, uh, Chalcedony, or just Calgadoni could be a silent eight. It's yeah. really t- you can write this be, stuff, yeah, but you can't. Uh, a glass-like rock that had either a milky translucence or, in some cases, darker color. Oh, so it's not metal; it's glass. Um, it's but a I'm, glass. I'm pretty sure I hmm. just read about that in the Leia comic. Okay, so it's interesting. It popped up lately. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What about you, Mac? Um, order anything cool on May the 4th? We just had May the 4th. We oh, talked about what's coming, don't. but just buy anything? You know what the worst thing about being in quarantine is? You want to reach out to the world around you. It seems to me the way I'm doing that is with buying stuff, using all the money I'm saving on my commute from gas and just saying, well, I have that extra money. Why don't I borrow some more Legos? I think that's great, yeah. Uh, I bought the Slave 1 20th anniversary edition of the Lego because I didn't realize it had Zuckus in it. And I'm not buying it only because it has Zuckus in it in the first Lego edition of Zuckus, but I'm sure there's other reasons I bought it too. You like the Slave 1. Uh, I do love the Slave 1. So that, yeah, there you go. 
that's the reason. Sold. Uh, it's not just so I can complete what's my Lego minifigure set of at? the Bounty Hunters. No, that's what's not. That, what's that bad boy retail at? 120, 160? Yeah, it's about it is about 120. I bought that in Anakin's uh, 20th anniversary pod racer. Oh, I have that one. I've been waiting for that one, and I just it felt right because there was you get a little A wing Death Star two mini set. I saw that. I'm very um, cool. Very cool. Which is pretty cute. So. Uh, yeah, I, I grabbed that. And then I also ordered like back in August, uh, and it should arrive here shortly, um, released on May the 4th was the, uh, the black series helmet of Boba Fett. Yeah. I uh, like this. You went high ticket. Well, so I already own at least one. It, it's not black series. They call it the ultimate collector series on the Marvel side of things. Yeah. Uh, my, my previous roommate and I went in cause we're stupid I got the Star-Lord one because I love Star-Lord, and he got the Iron Man one because he likes Iron Man. And I was really impressed with, yeah, they're not, they're not, um, you know, they're not prop quality by any measure. But they also are more in-universe than a prop would be, like, because yeah. the interiors of these helmets are at least textured and stuff like that. So I'm pretty excited about seeing, like, a Boba Fett helmet in 3D that has, like, the pad pieces on the back of the helmet and the little pe- parts that I read in the Star Wars technical manual when I was a kid. And this is like, this may be the first time this prop other than handmade has been made in this way, showing the interior details because you don't need, or an often do not want that in an actual wearable costume. Yeah. So um, it's pretty cool. And I love the fact that the little range finder is in fact a little range finder. Well, I'm which glad is you bought it. So I don't have to. Yeah. It'll, it, you can come and visit it. I'm definitely excited to try it on. I only own the Kylo Ren helmet. Out of those black and that was summers. really cool too it is really cool but they've come a long way from like yeah. five years ago when and, that one and i'm looking forward so to now. uh i'm looking i'm very interested to see what happens because again my star lord was like i think the third thing they made in that mm-hmm. franchise mm-hmm. on the marvel side it, it's hasbro so it's the same yeah. laboratories it's they the same design teams a remake of the shadow trooper helmet they've done it once yes. before so that'll be cool to have that back on the market did you did you spend any more of a tab uh, well i did i did a pre-order a bunch so i pre-ordered <laughs> um amazon has uh they're finally selling the black series this is all black series stuff they're that's finally they're finally selling the han and carbonite block by itself oh uh, that's cool so for 14.99 you get a really uh, an updated version of the block of carbonite it comes with a little stand so it can float uh, horizontally to the ground uh so i pre-ordered one of those um i pre-ordered they're doing a carbonized vader so I pre-ordered one of those. Oh, the like, the a, metallic, yeah. Yeah, that'll probably be an inbox for me because it's got the 40th anniversary Empire logo. So that'll probably be one that'll just go in my Vader collection. That's pretty much the only thing I don't open. Um, so there's really no need for me. Maybe I'll order a second one and have two, but uh, <laughs> just probably keep that in the box. Um, I told you I pre-ordered my Snow Speeder, my six-inch scale Snow Speeder. Yeah. So that's not going until July. Um, I pre-ordered about half of the 40th anniversary Black Series kind of re packages um i basically pre-ordered the ones that are new so i pre-ordered um the luke in his snowspeeder you know his flight suit it's technically a different figure than kind of the episode four one so pre-ordered that to go with my snowspeeder i pre-ordered um the r2 and kind of the dagobah mud mm. there is already sort of that dirty battle damaged r2 but you know have this one mm-hmm. and then i pre-ordered the uh the rebel trooper uh this is the first time they're doing that so that's pretty exciting with the big swept back helmet or like the endor sorry the uh, hoth the hoth oh hoth okay the hoth trooper yeah the hoth trooper uh and it's cool because it comes with two different faces 
So if you're into oh. army building, you can like swap them out. That's really cool. Which is kind of cool, right? Um, I ordered uh, GameStop. I got the uh, heavy infantry battle droid that they have, the gaming grade series. I ordered the, uh, let's see, the new, both of the, uh, they have two Force Unleashed Black Series figures coming out. So they have the hmm. uh, the uh, the stormtrooper with kind of like the blue design. Uh, I don't pull it up in front of me. I can't remember what it's called. And then the uh, the sort of shadow trooper, the black design with the blue. Uh, so now that we have those, we're only. I mean, we're so much closer now to having a coda and oh, Star coda. Killer, uh black series. So let's make that happen in the six inch, please. That would be cool. Uh, that seems so, like something fans could vote in. Kind of yeah, like if they do one totally. of those again. So saying all that, it sounds like I bought a lot, but most of that stuff is just stuff that you you know, pre-bought it. I, it's it's all different. Pre-ordered. I, I, it's uh, stretched out. You don't have to pay towards it. It ships. That's true. What else? I ordered two of the uh, there. There's like four new child pops. Okay. I ordered two. The one where he's got a frog halfway in his mouth, and the one where he's holding his cup. Um, I had refrained from buying the first child pop. I'm glad I waited. These were the two I wanted. Gotcha. Uh, so feeling good about that. Um, oh, I'm going to visit my nephew who is just about to turn two. And so, uh, now that this is kind of my first time visiting him when he's a little bit older, kind of developing a little bit of a personality, I bought him his first couple Star Wars things. Oh. So I got a little Darth Vader mask. I got a light up electronic Darth Vader lightsaber for him. And I got him, uh, like a stuffed Chewbacca. Got to raise him uh, right. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. That's going to be soon. So I get to give him that stuff. I'm pretty pumped about it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's going to be good. So it was definitely um, preemptively expensive my May 4th. Uh, I didn't actually, I don't think, spend a single dollar on May 4th. I don't think any of that stuff is shipping yet. But It actually turned out to be expensive May 4th because when that Boba Fett helmet that I ordered in August finally shipped, (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, I did promise to pay for that, didn't I? Uh Uh-huh. Um totally um but i i think i'll like it when it comes in so again may the fourth pretty good i was pretty happy with it it was a weird one because we weren't really able to get together like we we didn't really do do. a party like we used to uh because well social distancing and such i got a new couch i was gonna cook all this stuff from the galaxy's edge cook oh we had a Mm plan don't remind me of next year Next, next year. year well like you said we're gonna do a force friday party oh that's right we're gonna make up our own because well yeah because yeah. we're gonna watch like all of mandalorian like a movie and, ah Anyways, good ideas fun. good ideas all right till next time till next time yeah and actually for us till next time till because next time. it's been a great time and we hope you enjoyed this and we'll hope you join us next week but until next wednesday i'm ross and i'm mac and until next wednesday may the force be with you This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and the respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.